0: Another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, and I'm here with two absolutely incredibly talented musicians with a new album coming out. My dear friend of many years, Julie Gort Finn, and my new friend, John Finn. How are you guys? Yay. Hi, Scott. How are you doing?
1: We're good. Doing Thank you so much for having us.
0: Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Julie, it's been, what, about three years, I think, since you were on the show last time?
1: I think so. Gosh, it hasn't
0: been that long. It really has. It has, but I'm really glad to have you back on. And in video format this time, I've upped my game a bit over the years. Uh, So I want to ask you guys, uh, first of all, you've got a new album coming out, your fifth album, and you chose to do an album of Bonnie Raitt covers. I find this really interesting because you're both such talented writers, and I always get a little bit nervous when I think about writers that are so talented doing a cover album because I just want to hear... You write stuff and then I'll eventually hear the album and go, I'm so glad they did this. <laughs> what What made you want to depart from writing and just do a cover project?
1: Well, I, I've i always been inspired by Bonnie. I just feel like she has the spirit that's unstoppable. And I just needed that, just a, a little kiss from her, I guess, um, where I had been listening to her music a lot. And I'd seen interviews with her. Um, I was just really inspired. And then uh, in one uh, instance, John and I had learned a couple of her tunes to play um, at a duo gig. And we do them in such a different way (laughs) that it was, um, I thought, you know, maybe we should take a few of her songs and do them our own way. Mm -hmm. And so then we kind of were jokingly called the project Bonnie, our way.
2: Right. Yep. (laughs) That's right.
1: And so I planned on putting out this record where I was like, it's going to be super quick, five tunes, we're fine. And then I was taking a class last semester and it was all about finding our resonant frequency and our sound and putting it out there. And then we had to choose an artist and write a song for them as if we were writing it literally for them. So I wrote this song called Dig Deep. And I was like, "This song is actually really cool. What if we put it on our album of covers?" <laughs> it was so weird that I had thought of the album of covers and then wrote a song for her. So it was just perfect timing. And I don't know. Anything you want to say about it?
2: Well, you know what? One of the things. Uh, so uh, so the the idea for this album kind of happened uh, dur- during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like I'm always writing and practicing and creating, and so is Julie. Um, you know, more recently, one of the things that I've that, that's been a challenge for me has been to 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 write something and then get it all the way to the finish line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've got like hundreds of half written, songs which 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 i like and and i've been sort of in intending on uh finishing and you know julie and i've been having an awful lot of conversations about you know about like what's the west the best way to be um what what's the best best way to be effective and we've been getting into a lot of conversations about you know let go of perfectionism right because that you know perfectionism can be a creativity killer i think You know, it's like you want your music to be good, but if you're, if if you only allow yourself to be perfect, then you won't finish anything, which is kind of what I've been. So, you know, personally, I've been looking for ways to just kind of break through that. So, um, you know, like several months ago, uh, Julie had this idea of, of putting out an album of, um, of what she called practice affirmations, which is, uh, which, which like, it's like a, uh, uh, it, it's like a track of, of her talking sort of uh, affirmations about, you know, directed at a musician struggling with practicing, you know, because, you know, any musician knows that when you start to practice, the mind monsters start to show up and tell you how terrible you are while you're practicing. And it's really easy to get discouraged and you got to kind of find ways to fight through that. So, so she kind of put together a bunch of those. And then, and then we started putting together. Um, you know these, the these these, I guess, soundscapes that would sort of fit with each of the affirmations that she had written. So we put them all together. I think how many did we do? There was ten. Okay. So, um, you know, within a month we had an album's worth of material. We put the album out, finished it, mastered it, released it, and then you know we realized at the end of it, it's like we just put out an album. Okay, so that's one of the things we need to work on is to just. Put the album up, like just write the songs, produce the songs, put the album together, get it out, you know. So our next step was, was to, was, was to do the Bonnie Raitt project, you know, just because, I mean, it's, this still so
1: inspired by her. Yeah,
2: exactly. But it was really inspired by, you know, by, by what she did. Plus it was, you know, kind of our way of developing more, um, momentum, really. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a, sort of a natural tendency of both of ours to kind of like, uh, you know, play the music, but find ways to reinterpret it too. Not so that it's just different for the sake of being different, but
1: we know, we know that we can't do what Bonnie does. Yeah. We have to honor her and, and, and take take the inspiration but then also honor ourselves and yeah. do our way we didn't mess it up in any way yeah.
2: well hopefully not yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, we, you'll
1: find it sounds different yeah what.
2: you won't mistake any of it for you know it's like boy that's not just like fun because it doesn't you know but uh but we you know we tried to honor what she did but kind of presented our own way too
0: well i mean even if you were to play everything note for note you can never recapture what an artist does in their own way they're they're just the way they feel it and project it is always going to be unique to them just like the way that you do it is always going to be unique to you
2: yes and you know that's for my money you know uh, one of the things i think about sometimes is if i do something note for note you know what what's more interesting about me doing the same thing that somebody else did you know like if you had a choice between you know, you know, listening to me play a Bonnie uh, Raitt guitar lick versus Bonnie Raitt listening to it playing a Bonnie Raitt guitar lick, I'm gonna. I want to listen to Bonnie. I don't want to listen to me do that right. because yeah. Bonnie already did it. <laughs> right. You know, so you know, both Julie and I are just thinking a lot about, well, what can we bring to the table that will keep that would make this that will sort of revitalize this material in a different way.
0: Right, and I think there is a, a certain uh, fine line too, sometimes to paying respect to what an artist did while still making it your own, sometimes that can be a hard line to cross. Were there any points during the writing where you felt, this is too off, we need to change this? Or was it a pretty natural development?
1: Well, a couple of the tunes John and I had already been playing. So we kind of did them in our own way, just as a duo. And then when we brought in Larry and Joe and Rich, the songs just naturally took shape. You know, so I don't when I arrange a song, I mean, I have an idea. I would like the verse here, the intro there. Um, But when I specifically invite Larry Finn to come in, I want Larry Finn to be Larry Finn. So I'm not going to tell him play this beat. You know, I'm just gonna say you do Larry, because I trust you. You know what I mean? Well, and that's a
0: lot of times why you pick particular musicians. I mean, one availability is obviously always an issue or budget or whatever. But you you pick people who I think your style would work on this project. I think you're you can give what I want on this.
1: Exactly. Just
0: do what you do and give me you on this.
1: That's what I was trying to go for, you know. Yeah. And and we had never played the tunes with Larry, Joe, and Rich.
2: Yeah, that's true. Oh, wow. Yeah. So
1: yeah. we did two two sessions, and we recorded live. So, um, we got two songs the first time.
2: Yeah, and, and then, then three, three, and the second, three and the second,
1: and then the last song is a song that I just um had it on my my heart to record it, but we didn't get time to do it with the full band. So I just did me and a guitar. And then John added us some guitar solo stuff over it. Yeah. And then I said, you know, we should ask Joe to, to put the bass track on. So that's the one that sounds completely different. Okay. Yeah.
2: I think one of the mm-hmm. things that's sort of worth mentioning is that, you know, for, for four out of the five tunes, is it five tunes or six tunes?
1: Six tunes. Six, six tunes. Together, yeah.
2: Okay. So five out of the six tunes, um, we there are no overdubs. Everybody's playing all at the same time you know uh and then this the sixth one uh was what was one that we would put together after after the fact you know so so that was kind of important for us because you know we really wanted to you know sort of capture that vibe of a bunch of people playing in, you know in a room right because so many album music album these days are are kind of piece piecemeal together i uh, you know, where where you you know, either somebody sits at a computer and creates beats and then overdubs and overdubs and overdubs and, and that's great. It it's an gets an awesome you a certain get
1: yeah. Written.
2: You know, there's a certain thing that you get, and what we were interested in is just the whole notion of okay, everybody, you know, everybody pile into a room and go ready, go, and then we all climb in the canoe and just try to roll <laughs> in the same direction. You know,
1: <laughs> like Daryl's house. You ever watch yeah. Daryl's house?
2: No, I
0: haven't seen that.
2: Okay. Oh yeah, so Daryl yeah, so Daryl Hall from John John Oates had had a, a YouTube channel for many uh, for many years called Daryl's House, and what he would do is just bring other well known artists in and rehearse with his band, and you know the the episode would be you know you see little bits and of clips of them rehearsing, and then the end of it would be playing the songs that they worked on.
0: Oh, interesting. And, and it's funny that you bring that up. As the day that we're recording this, I believe yesterday was John Oates' birthday. So belated happy Hello. birthday to John Oates. Um, happy yeah. birthday, John Oates. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's there's definitely a, a magic, though, to recording that way, because you're getting people who aren't overthinking it. You know, you start doing two or three takes and then you're like, what was it I did on that one take I really wanted to do? And you start getting lost. And the more takes you do, the harder it gets to really focus on the song and give a good performance. So you really have to nail it in the first three I would say. Uh but I like that you just sat down and recorded it and that was that.
1: Well sometimes we did do three or four takes. Yeah. Before we got the one we love. Yeah. But we hadn't practiced it before. And I it's so fun playing with these guys. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah,
2: these is these are some of the best musicians that we know. So you know, they they they, they make everything they make everything seem seem amazing and easy. You know, so
1: yeah, it's a blessing.
0: Yeah, I, I know a few people that, you know, you just watch them play the most ridiculous thing and it, they just have this expression like they're thinking about what kind of sandwich they're going to make after they're done. <laughs> right, right.
2: You know, and it's right. because
0: it's just so natural to them to play at that yes. level, whereas most people are just going, I quit. right. <laughs> Yeah, You know, um, it, yeah, I, I'm really excited to hear this. Now, this uh, episode comes out on release day. So congratulations oh, to you guys. Oh, for thank, thank you. you. Out wow, there. how
1: exciting. And of course,
0: we've got the link in the show notes for you guys to go and check it out. Uh, are you are you going to do any video or anything to support it? I know that when you're doing covers, that really runs into some, you know, licensing potential issues. But is that sounds like that is something you you're know, thinking
1: about? The cool about thing doing. about YouTube is so many songs offer shared revenue. So you'll know instantly. So, um, you upload the tune, YouTube checks it and it says, okay, yeah, this song is owned by someone else. We're going to share the revenue with you. And sometimes they want the whole portion, but that's fine. You know, you don't really have to go through Harry Fox anymore and get the the rights. But, um, as far as, uh, Hmm. yeah.
2: No, nothing. i just putting my hand down. Oh, okay. All
1: right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, see, that's what I get for trying to do things the right way. I did a cover of uh, Lionel Richie's Hello, but uh-huh. it was for Halloween. So um, it was not quite the warm and loving song that he had had done. And he was smart because he's kept a certain percentage of the rights. He has final say. So even yeah. though he's got two publishers that, you know, say yay or nay, if they even if they both agree, they have to send the song to Lionel. And so they sent my song to him, and he's like, "Nope." <laughs> oh wow! Nope. <laughs> you got refused by Lionel. Got refused by Lionel. But had I done exactly that and just put it on YouTube, there's a good chance. Well, this was before a lot of the revenue sharing was happening, so it probably would have gotten okay. uh, an infringement notice. But yeah, I mean, if I put it up now, I could probably do that. But I Are don't. Sure? It. Does
1: it have his track?
0: No. You, no. the,
1: it, it might not even recognize it.
0: Other than the lyrics, it doesn't even resemble the original song. I mean, it's I basically love what you do.
1: <laughs> I love what you do to the haunted Christmas thing. Oh,
0: thank you. Yeah, it was right Those along that that, that whole thing. And I had a video idea to support it. And uh, I was really disappointed. I, I understand where he's coming from. And I, I even said in my, my letter that I really hope he didn't find it offensive. It, it was a matter of this is just a different take. And I mean, it has always been listed on one of the top stalker songs, depending on the (laughs) the lyrics, you know. Uh, But no, that's that's cool. I'm glad that you guys can get it out there. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what you do with it on that side of things, too, Uh, because everything that I've seen you guys do, and this is part of what I love about you, is that it's all quality. I've never seen you put anything up that I've been like kind of surprised they released that or anything. I mean, it's all been 100 percent professional, clean, well done and I, I, I think you guys have a reputation just because of that alone, let alone well, the enjoyment you. of what you're putting out. I mean, those are really two separate things. So thank There's you. There's
1: definitely a learning curve with it. I should mention, though, we we do have footage of all the songs. So far, we've got full videos of two. And our first one debuts tomorrow at 3 o'clock. It's the, the, the Dig Deep track that I wrote. So, um, the video will premiere at 3 PM tomorrow, or Eastern tomorrow is yeah. April nine.
0: Right. Okay. Oh, and tomorrow the, as we're recording. Okay. So this will yeah. already, cause so this comes out on the 12th. People,
1: people can go to YouTube and they'll be able to find it. Perfect. It'll be there I'll, already.
0: Or I'll yeah. just put that show. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Yeah. I'll send that to you. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I can't so, wait to see that. I got to wait a yeah, whole day. See, time. that
2: was one of the things too, which, which was partly why we, uh, like all the tracks are live is because we, we, uh, we, we, we video we took video footage of of every of every every tune that we did and every take of every uh, you know uh thing that we did
1: yeah, we wanted to document it.
0: I like the yeah. idea of not having overdubs though I like the idea of even if it's not a hundred percent on the click or somebody played a note maybe a little later or earlier than they wanted to. I like music that's human. I get so tired of this, well, we have to move this snare right on the beat and this has to change and we've got to be
2: on the grid. Yeah.
0: I like when it sounds human. If you go back and listen to the music of the 70s, you know, even some of the most popular songs, Led Zeppelin, King Crimson, whoever it is, they are not 100% perfect all the time. It's human beings playing music. That's what we like about
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think if we were to go back and correct Led Zeppelin and have everything be on the grid, we might go, doesn't feel right (laughs) i was
2: what it's funny that you say that i was watching uh a a, a video of of somebody that had taken the vocal tracks from a journey tune i forget which one it was it might have been open arms you know but but they but and and they they ran it through you know auto tune and pitch correction and Steve
1: Perry? yeah oh he's always perfect i thought <laughs> and
2: yeah well he is you know and that that was the thing it's like when and you know it, it, what they did was they actually showed like exactly how how on he was and and then they th- then they ran pitch correction and then we re- sort of replayed it and it was interesting because it wasn't anywhere near as good
0: really it was something yeah. wrong
2: so interesting
0: but I, but I have to think that what he was doing fit the music, so I think he would have to run the music through that same process and see I'd if he was actually following the music as well, because if you just isolate the vocal and say it's not in key or this is right or wrong, that would be one thing, but I think you'd kind of have to follow that with the music Here and see if context. he was matching what was being played.
2: Maybe. Well, okay, so I had a diff, kind of a different thought about it, which was, you, you know, for the last album that I did, I, I uh, there was one solo that I was working on. Now, that that album, you know, the, some of the rhythm section was, was, was all, all recorded at the same time. And then I did I did nothing but overdubs for all the guitar parts.
1: Okay. And, was that for... Um, uh, for Bull
2: in the China China Show. Shop. Yeah. So um, there was one solo that when I was putting it together, I did literally hundreds of, 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 of takes on it. And at one point, I, I, you know, I just kind of got to a point where what I started doing was just, you know, just throwing a bunch of stuff on there. And then just later on, I, I eventually stitched together from a bunch of different tracks, um, like a composite, composited ideal take. And then, uh, and then I made that the mix and I sent it to a friend of mine and he listened to, you know, he listened to it and his response back to me was, eh, it's okay. You know, but I really liked the solo. But I knew that there was something missing. So what I what I did was I went back and I learned how to play the solo that I had posited together and practice it and practice and practice and then I went back and then performed that solo end to end without any cut ins. Okay. Okay. And then
1: it had the feeling. And
2: and then and then when I listened to that back, it's like a thousand times better. So I, I think that there's something there's I I wish I could tell you exactly what it is, but when you start cutting and pasting and editing and correcting too much, it starts to make it sound just less human. Yeah. You know,
0: it it sounds like sheet music at that point. So, you know, you think about, you know, what Mr. Holland said, right? You can play the notes on the page or you can play the sunset. You're playing the same piece of music either way, but there's a huge difference in the feeling. And I think that's it. You could piece together all the right notes you can add your pitch bends or whatever you want to it, but if it doesn't feel like it's in motion, if it doesn't feel cohesive and connected, it's just a bunch of cool ideas, really, at right. that point.
2: Yeah. Right. So, I, I think that that's I think that that, that's something that kind of comes into play. Mm-hmm. For you sure. know,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're basically capturing a live performance and putting it on a record, yep. as yep. opposed to recording something in a studio and releasing it as an album you know, there's yes. really a difference between the two. And I, yeah. I tend to find the stuff that's played live. I guess I just feel more I, I feel more heart in it. You know, so I'm, I'm glad you guys did it that way. Um, yeah. But you're so comfortable playing live. I mean, you guys play a lot. You're always doing, you know, videos on YouTube, whether you're doing live performances, or you're doing like, uh, you <laughs> know, uh, practice videos or, or helping people learn. Videos. I love that. I was I was saying before we started recording. I was watching watching your ten minute practice in in a earlier today, and I was first I was blown away by just how flawless it is. I mean, I always loved you as a guitar player, and even even when we were in high school, and just to see how proficient and comfortable and relaxed you are as a player, but you're also at the same time practicing. But you're also giving people something to work with, too. You're giving them an opportunity to go through an exercise, to stick to it, to find a way to focus and not lose their, you know, their their concentration. It's so many things all in one little 10 minute video. I just love that you do those.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I had the brainstorm last year. I was I, I just really wanted to get my students practicing and know, some people do it, some people do it consistently, some people say, Oh, I didn't get a chance this week, you know, people are busy. So I totally get it. But I thought maybe I'll just try to make it a little easier for them. (laughs) So I'll do these videos. And then I thought, I really should have all the keys, because then anyone at any time will be able to practice whatever key. So I had the ambition to do that. But I only got to the key of B flat. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> then I had school starting and all this stuff. And then I just had some free time last week. I'm like, I'm gonna bring that back again, because it really was a goal to have all 12 keys. And then I I did, I don't know if people are watching, maybe I'll see 17 views or whatever, it never gets very high. But someone posted the other day, <laughs> I probably should actually look what the actual quote was. But it was something like, I'm so happy you do these videos. I don't play guitar at all. But I really like watching them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I thought, well, not only is it a practice, but it's entertainment. I don't know. It is. Well, there's probably some sort of ASMR quality to it too. You know, for those people that just want a certain because where could you find something that you can listen to if someone practicing a scale for ten minutes, all just up and down the fretboard? I mean, right.
1: it does have a rhythmic it thing does. to it and a and a melodic. It's
0: component. hypnotic. But I suppose that's that's part of the problem for people who practice it is you just kind of get lost in it. And you're not realizing what your fingers are even doing anymore, because you're just like your mind either just gets into it, or starts getting distant from it. What's the secret to just staying focused on that for 10 minutes and without just kind of mentally checking out?
1: Well, I've gotten better at it. But you know, it kind of depends on the day. It's, um, it's like meditating. They they say it's like, um, having a puppy and you always want to make sure you keep the puppy in the center of the room. He's going to wander off and you just have to redirect him to the back to the center. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's, it's developing an awareness. Um, Like in the, in this most recent week before I would just play the scales for 10 minutes and I would not release it unless I played it perfectly. And then I got to the point where I was like, well, I think I can show them that I made a mistake. So then I put a little oops, but this time, I I realized when I was playing the triad arpeggio one that in some places when I I played the the fifth string, the A string, and then when I'd release it, it would ring a little bit. So I thought, I'm going to just focus on that. Like maybe I can correct the problem and maybe they'd be able to see the, the progression that it would get better. And sometimes it did. And then when I'm really focusing on it, I would make a mistake. And then I thought, well, that's kind of an important thing for them to see too, you know, You don't have to play it perfectly. That's really not the whole idea, but it's to listen in a different way. It's to learn how to focus and pay attention and be aware and be in it. But sometimes if you just go through the motions, you're honoring the practice anyway. So there's no wrong way. There's no right way. It's, you know, having an awareness and developing that.
0: I like that. Plus, I think there's also kind of an intimidation factor, especially for people that are starting out that think, They have to be perfect for 10 minutes and they have to just do it over and over until they're perfect for 10 minutes. We showing the support, like, you know what? It's okay if you make a mistake. Just keep the clock going, get back on it, and just do the best you can for 10 minutes versus here's perfection. I think that's a lot better for people to just say, you know what? If she can make a mistake, I can make a mistake once in a while too. And I'm just going to keep practicing and get better.
1: (laughs) Music is mistakes. I think about it like, When I was young, I read about Steve Vai practicing for 10 hours a day. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I could ever do that. But it intimidated me so badly. And then I would feel horrible that I couldn't practice 10 hours a day. And then um, during the pandemic, I had this horrible anxiety. And that's really what caused me to make this Wellspring album because I needed a remedy for my own Horrible things that I was thinking while I was practicing. I would literally be in tears because I was going through so much trauma. Like, I can't even practice for 30 minutes without feeling so stressed out because I hated how I was playing. I hated how it sounded. So I really had to feel that. And then I looked around to see if anybody had done this and nobody had. So I thought, if it can help me, I'm going to just make my own because I really needed an out. So I I made it and I was like oh man this is a great way to start out because there doesn't have to be perfection in that practice in fact every day I'm going to come in with something new that I want to learn like how can I start something new and be perfect at it so then I started to let it go a little bit and then um, I showed it to another person they were like oh my gosh this totally helped me too Right. So there shouldn't be this stigma about just practicing. It's playing. It's like preparing for the performance. Of course there's mistake.
0: But there but there is that stigma, and I'm glad that you're kind of helping get rid of that because I think that will turn more people on to taking a chance and doing it and seeing if they enjoy it. If it's if you just say, I want to start learning guitar and the mountain is just so big to climb, you're gonna go Pfft. All right, I'll go play I'll go hit a drum
1: I'll <laughs> or go something drum. else. Right. Or I'll just keep on my TikTok and scroll. Right. You yeah. Know?
0: Oh, the time waster that is. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys, you also do, uh, is, it, is the correct pronunciation ukulele?
1: There's two pronunciations. The Hawaiian pronunciation is ukulele. Okay. So I try to honor that, but it's so often called ukulele as well.
0: Uh, I'm headed to the NAM show in a couple months. You guys have been to the NAM shows before. You know that uh, the downstairs section, if you've been to the one in in California, is almost 40 uh, percent <laughs> just that instrument alone in every color. Really? And oh, it's shape. definitely yeah. out of Uh Then there's a whole wall of them on the uh, on the main floor. Uh, when you guys are playing that instrument as opposed to guitar, do you see music or feel music differently than you do when you're playing guitar?
1: I think for me, it was, uh, it's been a blessing. I'll have to say that. So I first started, I I had gotten a gig in a musical. And as they were explaining what it was, they said, Oh, and can you play ukulele too? Because there's a part. And I said, Oh, of course, you know, because I, there's a little guitar. I play the guitar already. (laughs) And so then that started it. I just had to learn this. Funny little instrument, and it was beautiful. And I take guitar so seriously. You know, I've got this degree in guitar, I've played it my whole life. And like I was telling you a little bit earlier, that I've always played such serious music. But then when I pick up that instrument, it's got a lightness to it. And I teach seniors and little kids, it doesn't feel like the pressure of being this guitar player. So for some reason, I, I just feel free with it, like oh whatever, I'm gonna play the Eye of the Tiger, you mm-hmm. know. So it it feels different. I I feel like I approach the tunes a little bit differently, like oh whatever, whatever comes out comes out. I yeah, like
2: that's, that. That's probably true. And and for me, um, I actually learned uh ukulele before I learned guitar. Oh okay. You know, oh, or well, I shouldn't say I learned. It was kind of more like um, my, my dad had an ukulele when I was growing up and I was, and he had a repertoire of like maybe three or four songs that he could do. And, um, and when I was about five, I started kind of, just kind of messing with those, trying to imitate what he was doing. And, and right around then I started, you know, figuring out, I could, you know, I could strum a couple of chords and I mean, I, I, I was I was probably terrible, but at the time, I thought I was amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess
2: you always think you're amazing when you're five, and mm-hmm. you are. You are, but, for sure. <laughs> um, but um, that was actually my first experience playing a fretted instrument. I started playing guitar when I was six. Mm-hmm. So um, for, me, <coughs> for me, guitar just kind of felt like the next evolution of what I was doing with ukulele.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And adding a couple yeah. more strings to the, to the mix of things. So oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, And
2: you know, the other thing, too, is it's hard to it's 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 it, it's hard to be sad when you're playing an ukulele. It's true.
0: That's a very, very good it, it point.
2: Through the tulips, right? <laughs>
0: sure. <So. laughs> Whereas on guitar, you can play some really emotional, you know, kind of stuff that can really just make your heart just twist into different shapes. The reason I asked the question is I, I noticed that, you know, mainly I'm I'm a drummer, but I play a keyboard and I write most of the stuff I do on, on a keyboard. But if I'm writing on paper or if I'm writing with my bass guitar or if I'm writing with, with drums, depending on which way I'm going, I really tend to look at music from a different angle and I approach sure. songwriting differently. Do you find that it's different for you as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and my processes um, are, are similar in the sense that Um, You know, if I'm in the writing process, if I have any one rule, it's that that I is that I try not to apply rules to my to my writing, you know, which basically means try anything and everything without judgment, but keep showing up. I like that, you know, and then and then eventually what's happened to me in the past is that some piece will come along that will just start to take some kind of a shape somehow and and very often that's the point where it will give give it like its first version of a working title and the title is just for me to something so i can have a way to associate it and then um if i'm writing instrumentals then i'm just writing the instrumental to try to get closer to what that title is suggesting Mm -hmm. you know and then either the title will evolve or the music will evolve you know, so at the end of the road, the, you know, the, the title of the song and the direction of the music goes, um, are, you know, it will, it will start to meet. I, I wrote a song many years ago, uh, called If Stevie Ray Vaughan Went to Berkeley and Studied Jazz. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> I love
2: it. Okay. Great. So if you can imagine what that might sound like, the song sounds pretty much like that. You know, and now the song happened because a bunch of my friends were doing Stevie Ray Vaughan tributes and I was, I wanted to do one because I love Stevie Ray Vaughan and, you know, just really wanted to kind of tap into that. But then, you know, what happened was everything, everything I wrote that was sort of Stevie Ray Vaughan-ish to me sounded like Stevie Ray Vaughan, just not done as well. Right or just not done with the same it just it sounds like stevie but it's not stevie so it kind of made me think okay what's the value in that so what i start thinking about is okay well what can i add to this conversation that might make it um slightly more you know more uniquely me and it's like okay well all right i've been you know i've been working at this college that teaches jazz so what would it sound like if Stevie Ray Vaughan showed up to Berkeley and started and, and was studying jazz? What would he play like? And when I started <laughs> sure. trying to imagine what that might sound like, that changed everything about how I approached it. You know, so.
0: I, I like that. that. that too. So let me ask you this. When you're writing and I, I struggle with this a lot. When is a song finished? When is it at that point where you're like, OK, the writing is complete and I'm not going to do anything to it?
2: Never. <laughs> oh my god! Um, the, I I sub- tend to subscribe to the uh, I think it was Walt Whitman that said you never finish a song you simply let go of it, it escapes um, or the song escapes or something like that you know I I know for me you know uh, with, with the material that that i that I've recorded and then subsequently released when the band plays the material live by now the versions we play now aren't like what's on the record
1: yeah that does change and
2: yeah so you know um I, i tend to i guess the way that i tend to look at it is uh i you know i i i did i guess there is a point when the song starts to feel like it's accomplishing the mission that it was meant to accomplish you see I mean, I could still practice the the Steve Ray Vaughan song and come up with a hundred more variations, you know, but it was but I considered it done when it more or less accomplished what the title suggests.
0: Right. Well, that's the beauty of getting to play it live, right, is that you can take it in all those different directions. You can do something different with it every night. Yeah. But when you're when you're recording at some point, you've got to just stop and record it. You know, for for right. me, I find when I'm trying to add more to the song and I find that it's actually taking away from the song instead of adding to it,
2: mm-hmm. that's
0: when it's time to look at, okay, have I really done what I wanted to do with the song? Because I'll sit here and do 60 tracks and add sure. another 50 or 60 and go. I'm really ridiculous, and I need stop. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> it's time to stop. There are other songs calling us. Right, yeah. The, the first
0: the, twenty tracks, you can't even hear them anymore. So,
1: yeah, yeah that's true too.
2: One of the oh, processes boy. that I do go go through sometimes, or pr- most of the time, as, and this is the hardest part of it, is to listen to the song and take out, take away everything that the song doesn't absolutely need. That's hard, because. You you know you fall in love with certain sections of the tune, but then when you realize that the tune, like having that section of the tune, if you if you like it, but it doesn't really add to the meaning of the song in any measurable way, you have to ask yourself that it uh, uh, you know whether that section really has enough value to stay in there.
0: I thought about working with an outside producer just to make sure that I have the right perspective sometimes because I think. There are those parts where you just like them so much, and even though they don't fit, you like them, so they stay in. Um, I don't know that I always make the right decision. I make the right decision for me, right. but does that necessarily translate to somebody who might enjoy the song if I wasn't insane?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal. we What I learned last semester is we have to write for ourselves, and we will attract people like us. There you go. That's true. Really, you have to honor yourself. But in the end, working with other people is pretty valuable too. Like I I wrote a song my first semester of my graduate school. And then last semester, I took a course, it's called demo production. And for 12 weeks, we just did the one song. I've never spent 12 weeks on one song. And so it transformed into something I never would have imagined. And then you know, around week nine, we were adding strings. I was, I loved that week. <laughs> it just totally changed it again. And then we did horns. And I was like, I don't think horns would go in this. But by the time I got to the 12th week, we did some mixing and a little mastering and stuff. And it just was so addicting. I I need to do that to all my songs just because they didn't it just added so much. And when I wrote it, I thought this is just going to be a guitar and voice song.
0: Well, that's what happens, you know, and those creative juices flow. You try a couple things and then all of a sudden you go, well, wait a minute, what if I did this? And then yeah. the next thing you know, the sun has come up and you started at two like, in the oh, afternoon. It's go gone down. And, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, those those things happen when you're just so locked into what you're creating. I think one of the best and the worst things for me was that I discovered strings. Because for yeah. the longest time, strings had to go in everything that I did because I just love the sound of them so much. Right. Yes. You know, uh, very overkill, <laughs> though, if you, if you don't know how to use them right. <laughs> yeah. So you guys have the YouTube channel. You do the lessons. Do you both have students? Do you have students as well, John?
2: Uh, I do, actually. I, I've been, um, you know, I've, I've I've been teaching at Berkeley College of Music for over 30 years. Um, I have... Uh, I, I have a bunch of private students that that, that some of them come to the house, um, some of them I'm teaching over Zoom. Um, I also have a premium content um, lessons cha- video lessons channel on uh, on TrueFire.com, which if you're familiar with it, it's a, you know it's it's one of the it's it's a uh, it's essentially a, a, a video lessons uh, website, you know so. You know they have, um, you know, they you know they have several courses that they're, they're, they're up online. I wrote four courses for them actually, um, so so and then those you have are a up in private and then, channel. And then I have my own private channel. He has
1: videos every month.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, so a couple of times a month, I'll film some, you know, some lesson videos about something I'm thinking about, and just keep posting lessons on there. So people who subscribe to it, you know, can can uh, can see all the videos. They can download all the support material that goes with it. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So that that keeps me hopping.
0: Perfect. And I've got all those links in the show notes for you guys. I, I'm amazed at how much you guys put out. I mean, I wish I could give as much content as you guys do. I feel like
2: I'm falling behind. Oh, my gosh, behind. Scott.
1: Didn't you just say you've released 1,200 pieces of music?
2: Yeah. Yeah. One, what? So and okay, you do so podcast? One, yeah. 1,200. <laughs> I mean, I've written maybe 40 tunes in my life. Oh, come on. Oh. <laughs> Well, completed, let's <laughs> no, say that. No,
1: you're amazing.
0: Well, I, I think the, the thing, like you'd said earlier about your, you know, kind of your ideas folder, I, I'm i really glad that storage space is so inexpensive on a computer these days because I think my ideas folder of things that I'm like, hey, this would be cool to do something with someday and then just never do. That thing is bulging <laughs> at the seams, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it's really cool to just be able to create something and then share it with the world and hopefully people will like it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, you guys play live as well. You you entertain a lot of people. And I, I love that you're doing what you were both born to do. And that's the most important thing. And you give back. You've got the lessons. You've got practice things for people. I mean, you, you really give a lot. And I appreciate what you guys do just as entertainers, but also for our future generations, because we we need to do that.
1: Thank you very much. Well, we're very blessed to be able to say this is our life.
0: Yeah, it's the dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah, yeah. again on your album coming out. I've got the links to all this stuff in the show notes for you guys. If you have any problems, write me at Scott at Scotthaskin.com, but you shouldn't because the links are gonna work. Uh thank you guys <laughs> both for for coming on. I'm so excited because we're recording this ahead of time. So I haven't heard the album yet, but I cannot wait to listen to it. I'm sure it's gonna uh, be a thank lot of you. fun. I'm
1: gonna send you a copy. Do oh, you want digital you. or do you need a do you like CDs? Still? I like
0: digital. Digital is okay, good. Yeah. It doesn't all cost right, anybody okay. forty-two dollars to ship a CD. And then another hour to open it. Right. (laughs) How do you get this thing open? That's right. Thank you, guys. Please come back and see us again. You guys are so wonderful. And I just love what you're doing.
1: Thank you. We love what you're doing, too. Thank
0: you very much. Take care, guys. All right.
2: Take care.
1: Bye.